The Spirit of God is moving upon His people and He is raising up a generation that is prepared for power that will touch this world. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network. By their fruits, you shall know them. By, 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 by their fruits. fruits you shall know them to be here how's everybody else good man good we got uh matthew marcel and jeremy anderson on here today some really close brothers of ours and it's uh, it's a blessing to have them on how you doing jeremy i if i got any better man i don't think i could stand it i am truly blessed to be on with you guys tonight i really am amen thank you brother yes so we also have matthew matthew is a friend of jeremy and and myself and brian and and, uh these two have a lot in common we all do when it comes to the other church fathers and uh what they believe is what we believe when it comes to um the doctrine that they all unanimously agreed upon you know i've said in past shows that there's some small things that they may have had their own opinions about, but for the major doctrines and the in the deep theological things that they were taught by the apostles, they the ones that they all unanimous, unanimously agreed upon, we also believe that um, as brothers, and that's what we try to promote and hold to. Um, it is the ancient faith, and today we're going to get into the topic of uh, salvation and the essential need for obedience. And uh, salvation comes in two parts. It is um, by grace through faith. And then part two is what we're going to be expounding on as well. So, um, you know, Matthew, um, actually, I'll start with Jeremy. I forgot. So, Jeremy, um, can you give us a little, you know, uh, uh, just a brief overview of, of what the other church believed about salvation and obedience? Well, um as far as the early church, and when I say the early church, I mean the anti-Nicene church, the first uh, 300 years of Christianity before the Council of Nicaea. Um, you know, a lot of people have asked me before, um, why is it important to read the um, early church writings, and can we not come up with a a correct view of salvation and Christianity without reading the writings of the early church fathers and my answer to them is always the same and that is yes it is I think it is important um, to learn what they believed so that we can uh, come to a better understanding of what the apostles taught but you can come up with a correct idea 
and you know sound theology the same way the early church did simply by following the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles taking everything that Jesus said in the red letters everything that the apostles said in their letters and just when we read it take it literally understand that Jesus was not talking to just the audience that was in front of him nor was he talking to some future people in the millennial reign like um, I said that because there are two different schools of theology that teach both of those things one that Jesus was uh, like in the Sermon on the Mount he was talking only to the Jews that were there and then there is another group in the Baptist church that um, teach that the Sermon on the Mount is impossible for us to um, live by today and therefore Jesus was teaching how we should live in the millennial reign both of those things are completely false Jesus was giving us the way to live as his followers um, and that's exactly what the uh, what Jesus taught the apostles and that's exactly what the apostles taught their disciples who were the earliest of the early church writers and then after them you had the disciples of the apostles disciples and so you can come to a correct view of salvation and Christianity just by taking the Bible literally the New Testament especially taking it literally unless it's obviously a parable or um, you know speaking symbolically um, the teachings of Jesus you know he he taught in parables but the reason Jesus taught in parables was exactly what he said to his disciples that um, the common people who did not have the Holy Spirit weren't going to be able to understand the things he taught without the parables however we can read the parables and know what he taught and we can also see exactly what he was teaching from the parables you know they aren't <laughs> they aren't some obscure um, secret teachings that are hard to understand um, you know one that comes to mind that the early church um, really really leaned on other than you know the Sermon on the Mount is John chapter 15 and you know John chapter 15 is where Jesus talks about you know be, him being the the true vine and us being the the branches um, and let's see it is uh, actually first in Romans um, Paul said that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him 
that we may also be glorified together. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here to the second part of salvation. But the first part, of course, is to be on the vine. To, Like you said earlier, by grace through faith, that is being born again and being baptized repenting of our sins um, you know Paul tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead then we shall be saved that is the first part that John 15 that Jesus is talking about in John 15 when he says I am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them together and throw them into the fire and they are burned and that is a paraphrase of course of John 15 what Jesus says and if there's anything in the Gospels that shows that salvation is not something that is guaranteed forever, no matter what, once we, uh, you know, confess Jesus with our mouths and believe in our heart, it's John 15. You know, Jesus talks about coming onto the vine, which is salvation, and this is what the early church believed, and this is what they taught. That the first stage of salvation is entering into the kingdom of God, which is the same thing as being born again or uh, coming on to the vine, you know, becoming a branch onto the vine, being grafted into the cultivated olive tree that is spiritual Israel. And, you know, after that, we are clearly taught that we must produce fruit. You know, Jesus said that we must abide in him to bear much fruit. And without him, we can do nothing. And it doesn't mean without him we can do nothing as in, um, you know, you, you can't uh, hammer a nail or... You know, you can't draw a picture. He's talking about bearing fruit. He says that without him, you cannot bear fruit. But if you abide in him, then you will bear much fruit. And if anyone does not abide in him, then they will be for all intents and paraphrasing cast into the lake of fire and so we become a branch on the vine but again there are conditions there's no condition about becoming a branch you know that happens when we are saved it's the first stage of salvation but we can be cut off of the vine he says that if we do not abide with him we can be cut off of the vine and you know, John also writes um, that we pass from death to life. He says that we know that we have passed from death to life because 
ye love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So we already enter into eternal life. We've already entered into eternal life right now. Even though we're living on this earth, we are citizens of heaven. The kingdom of heaven came with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the millennium. I'm talking about the kingdom that came with Christ. This is what the early church believed. That we are to live live as if we are already in heaven with Christ. That we have passed from death to life. And if we are living like citizens of the kingdom, we'll, we will bear fruit. One of the biggest ways to bear fruit is by showing love to our brethren so you know that's one of the big things but it's not the the final thing because even there John says we know we've passed because we love our brother and but if we hate our brother then we are abiding in death and in that same letter in 1st John he says this also he says he who has a son has life and he who does not have the son does not have life these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God so again you know the promise that we have already entered into eternal life is there but there's still that condition that we need to continue to believe in Jesus Christ the same as the early Christians say the scriptures say as well to believe in Christ means to obey Christ see the difference in the way we view faith today and belief in Christ today and the way that the early church viewed it is really quite simple. Today, we think that belief in Christ takes place all in the mind and at the most, the mind and the heart. But in the early church, to believe in Jesus Christ meant to obey him it was faith was an action word I mean it just it was a word that just automatically you know came with fruit if you had faith the same as the book of James says you know faith without works is dead and the reason why it's written so plainly there is because in the first century church it was a given that if you had faith then it would show in your works or your fruit and I, I hope I'm not taking up the floor here but um, I, I hope I've kind of given a, a just of what the, the scriptures say but also what the early church believed yeah, and we'll get into some quotes here in a little bit. Um, 
but you're right you know that that word belief um it carries this this notion of trust it's not it's not a word that means like a general sense of belief like i believe the sky is blue you don't trust in the sky you know what i mean like a general belief is what the demons have and the demons they believe and they tremble with the demon the demons aren't saved right it's not about just having this general belief but acting upon that belief jesus says that if you love me you will obey my commandments right and he gave us the list of commandments not only in the sermon on the mount but you know he gives us even the most the two most important ones to love that to love god with all thy heart mind and soul and to love that neighbor as thyself. that is what all the rest of them hang upon the law and the prophets and without that if you don't love jesus then that's going to show by your fruits if you're not living through obedience in christ that obviously shows that you don't love him and a lot of people will probably get mad at that well i love jesus i believe in him well christ is pretty much saying if you did you would prove it through through your obedience to my commandments yeah and one of the um one of we know that the the biggest kind of like um proof of salvation is receiving the holy spirit um you know that was one of the the ways that is in my opinion one of the biggest ways that you know you are saved is you receive the holy spirit and the lord completely the spirit of the living god completely changes your desires your heart your mind and um you know (laughs) there was actually in the early church and i mean like the new testament church um you know in in the book of um i want to say it's first corinthians um it says um yep it's first corinthians it says um and one through four first corinthians 10 one through four it says moreover brethren i do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea all were baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for the drink of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now, can you imagine an Israelite wondering if he had actually passed through the Red Sea, whether he had actually been baptized into Moses? I mean, they would have known that. But, I mean, because it was an objective reality, they knew that. They knew beyond any doubt that they had been saved from Egypt but that did not mean that they had made it to the promised land so there in 1 Corinthians 10 I see the perfect example of salvation you know uh, just like the Israelites had been saved from Egypt but they had not yet made it to the promised land you know they had to endure right they had to be obedient and endure through the wilderness in order to get to the promised land. And we see when they did not 
obey and when they weren't obedient even Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land and it's the same with salvation when we are baptized originally you know and we enter into the kingdom of God we have been saved from the curse of sin and death you know we have entered from death to life our name has been written in the Lamb's book of life but we have not yet reached the promised land you know what I mean and that's the same I mean it's one of the best analogies that I can give from the Old Testament of salvation and reaching that end goal you know Jesus uh, says to endure until the end and that's what we have to do we have to endure until the end amen amen hey Matthew I know you probably got a whole lot to say as well do you want to chime in on here yes sir so um just to, to uh, add to what Jeremy was saying um I I think that John chapter 15 is the best the best uh, way to describe our relationship with Jesus because that's what salvation is is the relationship with Jesus um, it, it's it's about well in Jesus' words. I mean, if if you go through and read that whole chapter, if you go through and read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says over and over and over and over and over and over again, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we show Jesus we love him? By keeping his commandments. John chapter 15, as Jeremy pointed out a while ago, that he, he showed the importance of abiding abiding as uh, the King James version for remaining if you are remaining on the vine you've been put on the vine already it, you can't remain on something that you ain't never been put on you know what I mean you, it remain you know. very clearly implies that you have been put on it and Jesus actually says that you are clean by the word that I spoke to you so he shows that they're already on the vine he's talking to folks that are already on the vine. That's why he says over and over again, abide, remain on the vine. And then he very clearly says, if you don't abide in me, then the branch that doesn't abide in me will be cut off and it'll wither and it'll be thrown into the fire. It's not the only time Jesus talks about bearing fruit. He talks about bearing fruit throughout all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and really through the whole New Testament, it talks, it's about bearing fruit and what is fruit to Jesus and you know we can look at it as the fruit of the spirit which I believe that is um, applicable um, but specifically what Jesus says in context uh, one of the times one of the many times he talks about bearing fruit uh, Jeremy kind of mentioned it a little while ago about the Sermon on the Mount this is literally what Jesus says is the foundation to everything I mean foundation to our relationship with him through foundation of the key everything I mean this is you know you can't have a house that's going to stand through anything 
without a foundation, right? I mean, you just think about the importance of a foundation, right? In the, okay, the sermon on the, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in y'all's personal time, the listeners, I strongly encourage y'all to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's also in uh, uh, Luke as well. And it might be in Mark. I know in Luke, it's in, I think it's in uh, chapter, uh, either chapter 6 or chapter 13. It, anyway, but uh, Matthew's account, it, it's all put together here. And it says at the chapter 7, uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'll read the last half of the chapter. And the context of, of all this that I'm fixing to read is his commands in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is showing how Jeremy kind of showed the perspectives of the Sermon on the Mount a while ago. You know, you have people that believe that it's for future time. You have people that believe that it's impossible it's to show us. It's like the Mosaic Law, like how, you know, it's to show us that we can't do it on our own, that we need, you know, that it's, I mean, it's all these different excuses to work around actually obeying what Jesus said very clearly to obey. Um, but I don't, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what Jeremy says. It doesn't matter what any, the preacher says. It don't matter what anybody says, but what Jesus says, because at the end of the day, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to be judged myself and I'm going to stand before a righteous judge. So I can't, I can't, all I could do is tell you what the judge says. And this is what the judge says, and he means what he says, and he said what he meant. And he's meant to be taken very seriously and very literally. As uh, Jeremy explained who the early Christians that we're talking about are, um, first 300 years of Christianity, these are men that were personally discipled by the apostles. These are men like Polycarp and Ignatius that were personally discipled by John, or people that were personally discipled by Paul or Peter you know these are and then and then uh, also the men that they discipled then the men that, several generations away uh, spiritual generations from the apostles these are the early Christians we're talking about right so in like um, like Jeremy Stone mentioned a while ago that they, they were unanimously believed the same things and the things they disagreed on were very minor and they didn't divide over those things because they weren't uh, essential doctrines. Of the, like these, like salvation was not something they divided over because they took it very simply. Like these, these, um, these newer uh, doctrines uh, that uh, really started. I mean, we go on a whole rabbit trail on where they started from. It started from the Gnostics. A lot of these newer doctrines, and then. Um, when in uh augustine brought him in um in the in the three hundred late 300s he um in the late 300s early 400s augustine started bringing in a lot of these the after uh hanging out with the gnostics for about a decade he brought a lot of these um these doctrines we have today in the within the church um but none the first 300 years, they, they didn't disagree, but I won't go anymore on a rabbit trail on that. I'll, I'll read this in Matthew chapter 7. It says, um, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves Uh, you will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire therefore by their fruit you will know them there again he talks about being cut down thrown into the fire for not bearing good fruit as says here uh, immediately this is the next verse not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven he just got done in detail describing what the will of the father is the ver- the chapter before he, in the Lord's prayer he said um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven the sermon on the mount these commands are literally uh, the, the laws of the kingdom of God these are the things that we represent when as ambassadors and citizens of the kingdom of God and as foreigners in the kingdom of this world we represent and we're, we come from a different kingdom that's not of this world by living out Jesus' commands um, in this context the sermon on the mount the ones in the sermon on the mount we are representing and ambassadors for our kingdom right we are living out the will of the father in the kingdom of this world as it is as his will is in the kingdom of heaven which is where we are from after we've been born again so that is the will of the father he just got done explaining that in detail the last two and a half chapters um uh, but he who does the will of my father in heaven many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and i will declare it to them i never knew you again he never knew it's, it goes back to relationship right depart from me you who practice lawlessness practice lawlessness you who practice lawlessness therefore okay so next verse therefore in other words because of what I just said he's tying these two here together therefore whosoever hears these sayings of mine and and in the context the sayings he's talking about are the teachings he literally just got done teaching right so that's um Forgiveness, um, not having a hate or lust in your heart, uh, not swearing oaths, loving your enemies, turning the other cheek, uh, not committing adultery, um, being, uh, staying married to one uh, one spouse. All these different things, all these teachings he gave. I mean, it, like I said, go through and read the Sermon on the Mount. All these, they're not optional. These things are. Uh, foundational Jesus is fixing to show us here he says so in other words went from, from because of what I just said he says therefore whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them and does them 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them not will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his, at his teaching for he taught them with one having authority and not as the scribes so people were just as astonished in Jesus' day at the, the radical things that he was teaching as people are today and these are not we're, when we're talking about the commands of Jesus we're, we're not talking about the old Mosaic law if you read the Sermon on the Mount Jesus very clearly shows the distinguishing difference and even in John chapter 15 he also I I obey my commandments as I obeyed my father's commandments and in the Sermon on the Mount he constantly says you have heard it was said of old time this but I tell you this he he, um, clarified at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 that he didn't come to replace it but to fulfill the law he fulfilled the old Mosaic law and he didn't he narrowed the way read the book of hebrews it talks about a the him coming from the order of melchizedek and he um there was a changing of the law because of the new high priest and the changing wasn't a replacement it was a narrowing of the way right jesus said you have heard it was said of old time to an eye for an eye, two for two, but I say unto you not to resist an evil person. To, when one strikes you on the one cheek, side of the cheek, turn to him the other also. You have heard it was said of old time to swear your oath before the Lord, but I say unto you, swear no oath at all. He's, he's narrowing the way, right? These are the fruits in the context of chapter seven of Matthew that he's talking about that people will know that they're going to know your mind because of your love, he says in another place. Right, he, these are marked marking. This is what marked the early Christians. This is what um, they. It says in the book of Acts, chapter seventeen, that they turned the world upside down. Right, in the next verse, after that, it says that they were guilty of treason because they they um, they were they were guilty of treason against Caesar because their allegiance to was to a different king named Jesus. It's, it's it all goes back to these commandments, right? Not swearing oaths, oaths that includes allegiance. That it's I mean it's all tied into it's kingdom. It's all about the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about salvation a handful of times, but he talked about the kingdom of God almost a hundred times throughout the gospels. It was very important to him the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he called it, the gospel of the kingdom of God, right? He said yeah. repent. Yeah, that's that's what it's about. It's about the kingdom. It's it's you know, and see when you I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some of these scriptures here. I'm just gonna start reading some scriptures because um, I want you to just take what I say because it really don't matter what I say. I'm just gonna start reading these scriptures. I just want the listeners to really just. Um, Put aside your preconceptions. Put aside, you know, I didn't grow up um, 
I didn't grow up uh, seeing these things this way. Um, there took it. Took, there there was a lot of pruning branches that had to be pruned off, um, as it talks about in John chapter fifteen. I a lot of and I'm I, I by no means have everything figured out, and I'm I could I could learn some things tonight. I, you've got to come across these. You got to come to the to Jesus's words with a teachable heart and with a humble heart and realize that this is what I had to come to and realize. Can y'all still hear me? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I went into a different app on my phone so I could look at some notes. I didn't know if it cut out or not. But no, you're um, good. While while you look for those real quick, do you mind if I read a Hebrews chapter six real quick because it's got. It's got everything that we've been talking about and has so much meat, and it's such a debated, for some reason, it's debated, and I think it's because it's scary to those who um, hold on to the modern tradition, modern traditional belief that, you know, and once saved, always saved, and again, all these topics, whether it's, um, you know, obedience and salvation and, uh, You know, it it all leads into all these other hot topics such as, you know, predestination and theistic determinism and free will, uh, all these different things. But Hebrews chapter six, I feel like is this it's this one chapter that uh, well, not the only one, but it, it makes it clear as day and really hits the whole thing home because it is specifically talking to believers and what is written cannot be denied. And those who deny it, I feel like are denying it because they're they don't want to let go of they, they they can't they can't reconcile it with what they believe now, if that makes sense. So Hebrews chapter six says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptism and laying on of hands, and of re- of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this will do, oh, and this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, which means right there, just that right there, you were once born again. You cannot be a partaker of the Holy Ghost without being born again. And it says, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh often upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars, that's their fruit. They don't bear fruit. They've borne thorns and briars, is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. So he goes on. Crystal clear. (laughs) Crystal clear, but he goes on to, you know, like encourage you to keep going uh, through all the trials and tribulations or everything to have your patience as Abraham once did because he didn't see the promise, but he patiently waited for that. And he says, but... It says, but beloved, we are persuaded by better things of you and things that accompany salvation through we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. 
and we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Yeah, there. If I can chime in really quick, there are two scriptures that sum up um, each side of this, and the first one is Second Timothy two twelve, where it says, "If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us." And then in uh, back to Hebrews going right along with what you just read Jeremy it says in Hebrews 10:26 it says if we sin willfully after we have received the love of the truth there remains no longer a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment yeah Yep, those are some uncomfortable verses. Absolutely, and I, I'm fixing to read some Hebrews here in a minute. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3. The book of Hebrews, the whole book is... <laughs> you, you turn the page, every chapter, it reads like that. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, it's very sobering. And uh, it's, it's talking about a continual, willful... Um, You've made peace with your sin. Like you, that's why when Paul goes through and talks about the sins that will not inherit the kingdom of God, he's talking about sin, the sins he lists are, um, lifestyle sins, right? Uh, he lists, uh, what, um, adultery, uh, you know, fornication, drunkenness, gluttony, homosexuality, witchcraft, these are sins that they people wake up every day. They've made peace with it. They know they're going to do it, and they're okay with it. They've sheared their conscience. They they've continually um, that. In fact, I'm just going to read the Hebrews chapter three now because that kind of goes right into what uh, that it explains it very well. It um, the continual making peace with your sin, hardening of your heart, right? Um, it says here uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse, uh, we'll read like 12 through 19. Uh, Take heed, brethren, lest their brethren, he's talking to brethren, he's talking to believers, people who are on the vine, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if, that's a conditional statement, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did pro- provoke, provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? 
and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So he, that's, you know, like I said. It well, they con- started off believing, right? That's how they got there in the yeah. first place. Exactly. Yeah, they had that baptism, and they were yeah. rescued they went from the water. Right. But they didn't continue in belief. I can think of three New Testament examples of the same thing. Aquila, his wife Priscilla, and Simon Magus. And I'm sure people hear that and say, Simon Magus, how is he a Christian? Well, it shows in the Bible that he was. The early Christians believed he was. It was, you know, it was, no one even questioned that Simon Magus had been saved initially because he had believed and he had received a proper Christian baptism. But then a short time later, what happened? Yeah, he did the same thing that Aquila and Priscilla did as far as hardening their heart. You know, they stole, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And just like Jeremy read in Hebrews 6 and I read in Hebrews 10, um, you know, they received the wrath of God. You know, they, they fell dead. Simon Magus, um, you know, some people will say... Uh, that he must not have been saved at all because of what he did. But although Peter strongly rebuked him when he asked Peter to sell him the power to bestow the Holy Spirit, Peter rebuked him, but he did not say to him, you were never really saved to begin with or else you would not have asked me to do this. No, there was no question about the fact that Simon had actually been saved initially, put on the vine. But that did not mean that he was assured of salvation forever. Because in fact, later, he totally turned away from Christ. So, you know, in short, the early Christians believed that there was an assurance of salvation as far as the first stage. But not assurance from the time they were put on the vine until their death. They had to endure and continue in the love of the truth until their death. Yeah, Judas is another good example. I mean, in Matthew chapter 10, he was listed as one of the ones that Jesus sent out doing miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, you don't have to look very far to see what happened with Judas. So, I mean, it's it holding holding fast, right? Uh, he that endures till the end, the same will be saved. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 10. He says it in Matthew 24. He says it throughout. He says it again, the same uh, the same theme here uh, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2. These are to the churches, the letters to the churches, the churches being believers, brothers, uh, right? It says in uh, chapter 3, Revelations, into the, ch- into the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things uh, says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. 
be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die for I have not found your works perfect before God remember therefore how you have received and heard hold fast and repent therefore if you will not watch I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy listen here he says here he that overcomes to all seven churches out of seven out of seven churches he says he who overcomes the same, he who endures to the end he who hold fast overcome right he says here in verse 5 he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name Hold on, let me turn the page. Sorry. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. If if he's threatening to blot out our names out of the book of life, our names are written in the book of life at some point in time. If he's threatening to blot it out of the book. And if people say, well, he if you just go by what he says he didn't actually say he would blot it out well go back go to read uh, chapter 22 revelations that's the beginning of the book of revelation go to the end of the book the very last verses here in 19 it literally says that and if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy god shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book and if for those who don't know what the book of life is i'm just going to read a, a very small uh part here and i think it's Re- uh, revelation is 20 yep here it is verses uh, verse 11 then i this is the great white throne judgment the final judgment right at the very end of everything then i it just shows you what the book of life is then i saw a great white throne in him who sat on it who's uh from whose face the earth and the heaven uh, fled away and there were found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books the sea gave up the dead who were in it and the dead and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works then dead in Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, if your name's not in the book of life, scripture is very clear out there in Revelation 20, the lake of fire. Because here's the thing, y'all. So this is this is important to understand with salvation. We've been talking a lot about the second phase and. And um and re- and remaining on the vine, but we have to get on the vine. I, I, a lot of people, this is preached a lot in churches, so a lot of people know this. But for those who don't, I think it's equally important to understand how to get on the vine. We have to be born again. Jesus says, right? We can't even see the kingdom if we're not born again, right? It says, He said that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him we have to die to ourselves as paul puts it 
To be born again, to have a new birth, we have to die to our old life of sin, right? It's dead. That's uh, Jesus said that before him, then our father is the devil. We So we have to die to ourselves. Paul said, um, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, right? We have to die to ourselves so that we could be have a new birth, be born again, and now God is our father. We have a new father, right? And it's an exchange life. Our sinful life is nailed on the cross and crucified with Jesus, and he gives us his righteous life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live righteously. That means we're going to get it right every time. That means we're going to we're going to be perfect in everything we do. But we, if we have the power of the living God living inside of us, we really don't have any excuse to to not do right. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time. As long as we're living in this flesh until Jesus comes back and gives us that new body, we're going to mess up sometimes. You can ask anybody that's close to me. You ask my wife and she'll tell you. I, it's not a cop-out answer. I'm not using it as an answer like to excuse my, my sin. I'm just saying I'm not perfect. I, I mess up. But we, as First John chapter 1 and 2 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous, right? To read First John. It's, it's a very, it, we have to balance this with, with, um, scriptures like first john and and we have to come in in repentance and i mean it, jesus said repent and hold fast right so look at some of these other things i'm going to read a couple of these other scriptures here so it's it's a so look at these parables right i I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read two parables, okay? Um, but look at all the kingdom parables. Most of the kingdom parables have the same message, and all of the kingdom parables are addressed to people in the kingdom of God, people that are saved, people that are on the vine. He ain't talking to the kingdom of the world. He said the kingdom of God is like, and then he gives the example, right? So here's one of them. Uh, this is in. Uh, Luke chapter 13 he spake also this parable a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none then said he unto the dresser of the vin- of his vineyard behold these three years I, I, I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none cut it down why cumbereth it the ground and he answering said unto him Lord let it alone this year also, till I, I shall dig about it and dung it. So basically water, fertilize it. Um, it's the King James of, you know, fertilizing it. And if it bear fruit, well, if it bear fruit, bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, shall cut it, uh, thou shall cut it down. And then he says here later on in, uh, it says, strive to enter in the stra- in the same chapter. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, this is this is the parable of uh, um, that Jesus also talked. You know, he talks about the narrow gate, the broad gate. We just read that in Matthew seven. This is Luke's account here. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. 
For many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and knock at the door saying Lord, Lord, open unto us and he shall say and answer and say unto you I know uh, you not whence ye are and sh- uh, then shall ye begin to say we have eaten and drank in thy presence and thou hast taught in thy streets but he shall say I tell you I know you not whence ye are depart from me ye all ye workers of iniquity there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out he says another place I believe it's in Luke where he says why do you call me Lord Lord and do not what I say so it's it's the same the same, so here's the other parable I was going to share um, and then I'll, I'll uh, let's see I've got these early um, church quotes um, that go right along with it whenever you finish. Okay, I was just going to read this last little parable and then uh, turn it over. Uh, I mean, I there there's literally there's eighty there's over eighty scriptures that I know just that I know just that I can I can share. I mean that that say the same thing. I mean it's not like just one or two you know cherry pick scriptures here and there right i mean it it's it is a a obedient love faithful relationship with jesus right and actually i i said i said um well i'm gonna share let me share this one here this this one is this one's from paul okay this is romans 11 we go into a lot of other stuff and how what how this relates to you know the jews and gentiles but what I want to draw out of this is uh, the point of the of what we're talking about tonight. This is in Romans chapter 11. Um, it says, uh, "And if some of the branch, he's basically saying he's basically saying the same thing Jesus said, but he's using it um, to prove some points um, and clear some things up between the Jews and the Gentiles but he's saying the same thing Jesus said in John chapter 15 and if some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree boast not against the branches but if thou boast thou bearest not the root but the root thee thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in well because of unbelief they were broken off and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. And here it is. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And you can keep going on and on. And it's uh, Ephesians chapter 2. The, uh, we are saved by grace through faith unto good to doing good works. I, I mean, keep things in context. I mean, we can't just cherry pick some of these passages out and make them say whatever we want them to say we've got to go on and read read the rest of Ephesians chapter 2 right I mean read the whole thing right um, this is the this is the one I was going to give and then I'll this is the, the last parable I was going to give and then I'll I'll turn it over here uh, this is in um, I think Matthew chapter 13 let's see Matthew yep here it is uh 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, and so again, the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about people in the kingdom of heaven. It's 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 not very hard to get in the kingdom of heaven. It's a gift. It's a free gift. We can't do it on our own. We cannot work or do anything but what Jesus has done for us, right? We, by grace, by God's grace, and through our faith in Jesus, we die to ourselves. We repent. We change of allegiances from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God and to Jesus as king, right? The early Christians would renounce their allegiances to this world, the kingdom of this world, countries they lived in and they would give their allegiance to jesus as king in the kingdom of god right with that born again right it's many people could come in right but this is what he says here in uh, matthew 13 47 through 50 again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind which when it was full they drew to shore to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The whole chapter of Matthew 13 is full of those kind of parables. The sower and the seed, right? Uh, only one of the four, they were all... There was another kingdom parable. They all had the gospel sown into it. The soil, only one of them bared fruit. And I mean, just we could go on and on all night, literally. Once you understand this in the context of the scriptures, and you understand that how you get on to the vine through by God's grace, through through our faith in Him and confessing Him as Lord, that surrendering everything to Him, then we have to have that obedient, faithful relationship it's not a checklist it's not something that we did this today we didn't do that it's paul relates it to marriage right he relates it to he uses a lot of analogies it's but they're all relationship analogies it's you know it's endurance to the end it's a you know he, he said if i if you confess me among men i'll confess you among my father if you deny me among men i'll deny you among my father he says that in all the gospels i don't know about john but i know he does matthew mark and luke matthew 10 i know he does he says uh, he who seeks to save his life will lose it he who loses life for my sake the same will find it he i mean it's he who endures till the end the same will be saved it's it's a constant it is everywhere it's literally everywhere and that's and that's what i like about the early church fathers so much is that in their writings they clear that i'm i'm definitely looking forward to hearing from from jeremy anderson to read all those quotes because the early church father does so much they do so much justice in explaining everything that we're talking about in the clearest form and they take the bible in its entire context instead of just new testament or Here's one verse. They take the whole Bible in its context to give you exactly what God has been saying throughout the whole narrative. Yeah. It's nothing new. They highlight what's already there. Yeah. So let's hear it, bud. Let's hear what they got to say so that we can get a clear picture of uh, of everything that we uh, are trying to digest tonight. Absolutely. And you'll hear scripture all throughout, woven in throughout the... the anti-nicene fathers here uh, 
and I, I'm going to start with volume one, and this is on page 51, and it's a quote from Ignatius, who who lived during the time of Acts. I mean, Ignatius was a disciple of the Apostle John, and he was born just a, a couple of years after the death of Christ in 35 AD. And his quote says here that he, God, may both hear you and perceive by your works that you are indeed the members of his son. And then on page 53, he says, faith cannot do the works of unbelief nor unbelief the works of faith. The tree is made manifest by its fruit. So those who profess themselves to be Christians will be recognized by their conduct. And then we have Polycarp, who was also a disciple of the Apostle John, who lived not far from the time he lived the same time as Ignatius but he wasn't quite as old as Ignatius um, he was born around 69 AD from 69 AD to 156 AD but Polycarp said this he said he who raised him talking about Jesus up from the dead will also raise us up if we do his will and walk in his commandments and love what he loved keeping ourselves from all unrighteousness and that's also from the anti-nicene fathers volume 1 page 33 and we've got barnabas the epistle of barnabas um and barnabas was from around ad 70 to 100 um and he says the way of light then is as follows if anyone desires to travel to the appointed place he must be zealous in his works and that's from the anti-nicene fathers volume 1 page 148 he then says the whole pastime of your faith will profit you nothing unless now in this wicked time we also withstand coming sources of danger you have to understand that when these things were written the church was being persecuted these people were being killed for their faith unless they denied Jesus Christ and of course if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know these men loved Christ unto the death. They would rather die than deny their Lord. Even though they had they never Yes. Even though they had never, you know, physically seen him the way you know the apostles did or or you know those who lived the same time Jesus did. These men were just as faithful, if not more. Jesus said, you know, you have seen me and you believe. 
But blessed are they who have not seen me and believe. And it is this type of faith that we are going to have to have in the last days. Because here in America, unfortunately, I think we've been hindered. Um, you know, the church over in the Middle East and in China and in places where they are being, you know, truly persecuted for their faith, the way that the early Christians were, they are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit like we can only read about. That, that persecution comes with power. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Antinicene Church. And we will see it again in the End Times Church. You know, I know that this isn't what tonight's program is about, but the power of the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Revelation that the two witnesses have, you know, there are, you know, many different beliefs about the two witnesses, but regardless to whether you believe like me that the two witnesses are representative of two groups of the church or you believe they are two Old Testament prophets come back regardless to what you believe the power of the Holy Spirit is the same and it's right there in black and white in Revelation chapter 11 and if we do not become prepared now before that persecution comes to love not our lives, even unto the death, then we are going to fall away. And we are going to accept the mark of the beast and give away our eternal salvation. I mean, we're going to be just like, you know, Esau. We're going to give away our birthright for a bowl of stew. And we have got to be sober and be vigilant now so that when that time comes we will be close enough with Christ indwelled enough with the Holy Spirit that we will not fall away and we will be willing to die if that's what it takes the early Christians definitely were I know I stopped in the middle of a quote here but it says take heed Less resting at our ease at those who are the called, we fall asleep in our sins. For then the wicked prince, acquiring power over us, will thrust us away from the kingdom of God. And you should pay attention to this all the more, my brothers. When you reflect on and see that after such great signs and wonders had been performed in Israel, they were still abandoned. Let us beware lest we be found to be, as it is written, the many who are called, but not the few who are chosen. And that's the Antinicene Fathers, Volume 1, page 139. Clement of Rome said, 
in the first century, we are justified by our works and not our words. I love that. I absolutely love that. We're justified by our works and not our words. And that's also... Yeah, I, I was just going to say that's Anti-Nicene Fathers, Volume 1, page 13, for anybody who wanted to know. But yeah, Christ himself said, you know, um, with, their, with their lips they praise me, but their heart is far from me. Amen. You know, it's the same, it's essentially the same exact thing. Your, your lips can say many things and proclaim many things, but your heart is based on the way that you act and the way that you conduct and live your life that's what shows the true character of your heart absolutely i've got one more quote i'd like to read and then i'll turn it back over to you guys completely but this one is really really good it's from second clement and it was written around ad 150 and he says this he says this then is our reward if we will confess him by whom we have been saved. But in what way will we confess him? We confess him by doing what he says, not transgressing his commandments, and honoring him not only with our lips, but with all our heart and all our mind. Let us then not only call him Lord, for that will not save us, and he's going, he's going back on what Jesus said. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. But he says, let us then not only call him Lord, for that will not save us. For he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. But he that works righteousness. For that reason, brethren, let us confess him by our works, by loving one another. And that's the Anti-Nicene Fathers, Volume 7, page 518. Yeah, see, that's one of the things that, uh, something that comes to mind instantly is when Paul uses, I mean, when people use Paul to say, well, if you confess your lips that Jesus is Lord and you, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. But if you take that out of the context of what Christ said and all the other things that, um, come to attribute what salvation is all about then you would think to yourself like so many Christians do that just because you confess them with your lips that you're saved yeah absolutely that's why I wanted to read that quote because I think it sums it up perfectly you know how do we confess him not with our works but I mean not with our words with our works yeah. James Look at James chapter two. Like uh, I know we're we're cutting cutting down on time, but just the listeners read the read chapter two of James in your own time. It he he says it like this. He says, "I'll show my my faith by my works." It's uh, it it's you know the devil paints this false dichotomy of it's where you know you have. Uh, the Catholic Church says that, says that we, we earn our way, right? You know, this is what people believe. They believe it's either one or the other. We either, it's just by grace or it's just by faith or it's just by grace by faith 
or it's predestination or whatever you know it, it's uh it or it's we earn it right like you know we uh do this this then other it's it's a false dichotomy right and that's what the devil wants to do in so many ways he has all kinds of false dichotomy this is just one example but it's 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 both i mean it's it's in the context of scripture i mean it's really not both but it is you know it's we get on the vine and then we remain on the vine you know it's it's um that's it's that's good that's thank you for reading those that that's really good it shows it shows that it, it was consistent throughout the first couple centuries. I mean, it really, that's what they all said. I mean, that we read a very small handful of, of these quotes and these scriptures, but... Yeah, Clement of Alexandria, 215 AD, says this, It's neither the faith, nor the love, nor the hope, nor the endurance of only one day. Rather, it is he that endures mm. to the end will Amen. be saved. Yep. That's good. Amen. Amen. And there you go. You know, that that's everything that they have said is, again, not one verse here or there, but taking the entirety of Scripture, taking the entire context of the whole Bible, the whole narrative, to give the, the solid, sound doctrine in which they were taught by the apostles that's what they were taught like i i always tell people you you're not going to argue with me whether it's once saved always saved let me tell you what the early church fathers say who who literally were taught by the apostles themselves who were taught by christ yeah and the reason why i say that is because i understand how people get uh you know how how people um take verses and scripture and kind of apply this you know where, where where it's kind of hard to understand so they apply their own lens you know if you ever have a question about what it means what does god mean go to the early church fathers they'll tell you what it means in, on almost in their, every subject honestly but they go from free will to uh you know there's free will uh original sin um predestination all these different things literally all the ones that were are like hotly debated today they talked about yeah and a good source to, if y'all want to know more about what they believe uh david perso um and scroll publishing it's it's there's tons of videos on youtube scroll publishing um historicfaith.com yeah the what the scroll publishing is free though but yeah historic faith is even more resource i think that's you don't have the money they have a uh they'll they'll let you take the entire thing for free yeah, they will. Yeah, they, they definitely are not in it for the money. They're definitely in it for for um, uh, edifying the body of Christ. But that scroll publish uh, a good a good one to start it is uh, what the early Christians believed about the two kingdoms. What the early Christians believed about the kingdom parables. He goes through and, and talks about the kingdom parables. 
and and that addresses a lot of stuff we're talking about tonight the kingdom parables this is uh this is what i had to come to with a lot of these things is i when i was when i came to jesus's words the red letters really all the scripture because it's all inspired by god is i if i came to something that jesus said that went against what i believed from what i was brought up raised believing what i was you know makes me feel comfortable whatever the preconception is whatever the lens um if what jesus said goes against what i believe i'm now wrong and jesus is right every time and we have to come to his words with that that um teachability that being uh that that submission to him that he if jesus is is jesus really lord or are we the lord of our life right what what we say is that really true or is what if if we come up on something that he says in context not not pulled out of context but in context of scripture if it says it very clearly like these things that we read tonight is is what jesus says true or is what we believe true because we're not going to be we're we're going to be judged on based on what he said not what we think he said and the problem is people do not come to it like a little child uh, Jesus says we have to become like little children because children are teachable they have a teachable heart mm, that's good yeah children don't really come into it with a preconceived notion but nowadays we've been saturated with seminary, seminaries and all these theologians you know what I mean we've gotten really far in the modern day especially the western church really far from what the ancient faith really was and what it is and most of the things that we believe now or that that people perpetuate now and i'm going to just try to say it, calvinism most of those doctrines within calvinism comes from gnosticism and the early church fathers speak about those things there and they tell you where they come from and i think it's very important for people to put down their their both pride calvin and, and luther and, were augustinian you know, their, monks yeah, they were. Yeah, they got their doctrines from Augustine. That's right. And Augustine, like like Matthew said earlier, was a Manichaean for ten years. You know, and but his early stuff, like Phil Baker said, his early stuff was lined up with the early church fathers pretty well. But his later stuff, uh, in the early 400 A.D., he just did a complete 180. And I and, think what we read tonight and what we saw tonight about how it's not about being faithful for a day or for half your life you know you yeah. have to endure in the faith until the end that's endure to the end he that endures to the end the same will be saved that's and we will be judged by our works according to Christ yeah Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.